Action Park Media. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. Another edition here of the Brilliantly Dumb Show coming to you Tuesday after an alarm right out of the gate. Do you believe that? And it's not even my alarm to let me know to start the podcast. Lord only knows what alarm that is, but here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you early, coming to you often, however you're listening, why ever you're listening, folks. We're just happy you are indeed listening. A, a, a couple more issues that we need to get to right out of the gate. I'm Big Game Bob, Narod Michelle, coming to you behind the glass on the ones and twos. Um, Narod, I, I, I'm going to throw it your way. Issues right out of the gate. We found out the other day that the Brilliantly Dumb Show, for the longest time, has been under the technology category on Apple Podcasts, that is a massive, massive issue prior to Action Park Media, no? That's correct. I don't know when that started, probably when you launched your show. I don't know who decided to categorize you as technology, but yeah. The, the, the absolute furthest thing from technology, and I took a look into the podcast that we have been going up against. Now, I have always tried to go against the part of my takes of the world. Colin Cowherd, those people out of there, a little bit of sports, a little bit of comedy. Clockwise Technology Podcast, Rocket, Tech Pod, and Mac Power Users. Now, this cannot be good for ratings whatsoever. Imagine downloading one of those podcasts and then being recommended your podcast. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm one of your biggest fans, but like, it's just not categorically correct. It- it it would be like the the World Series being broadcasted on the Animal Planet is the brilliantly dumb show <laughs> under the technology category. That that is a serious issue. You even said right out of the gate, it's like finding toilet paper in the frozen food section of the supermarket. Isn't that a good way to phrase it? And it was so hard to take when I realized that because let's call it let's call it spade a spade. It's not a good look for me. It's not. It's an amateur move. Yeah. But we don't allow that here at Action Park Media. Um, and yeah. It, 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 it makes me really wonder um, who's been listening to this podcast. And I'm glad we got that ironed out because uh, it definitely needed to get ironed out to say the least. It's like Shaquille O'Neal showing up to the Staples Center in a pair of shoulder pads. It's just... We're, we're, we're all over the mm-hmm. place. We can confirm we are back in the sports and comedy category where I would say we definitely belong. Um, the, it's the, like it's like going to get a bathing suit but getting a turtleneck. Very, very good. It's like getting a dog but a cat comes out of the cage. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we were doing these analogies throughout the entire day. And as funny as it was, it also stung a little bit to know how long this has been going on. Um, What I would like to say, what also probably stung is we've been having a lot of people roll through here at Action Park Media, and and I've been... I I, I say things that I think are a decent thing to say, that are a good thing to say, and then after I say it, I kind of realize that it's not such a good thing. Um, I I told somebody who came into Action Park Media here the other day, he's about 30 years old, real good-looking guy, that he looks like Gordon Ramsay. Is there, I look at a Gordon Ramsay in that road, and I see a good-looking guy, does very well for himself, mm-hmm. great build, by the way. Yeah. I love these chefs that got the really good build on them, like the Gordon Ramsay. There's this Robert Irvine guy I like. And I told the guy that he looks like Gordon Ramsay. He's 30, Ramsay's got to be 50, and I got to be honest, I don't think he took it well. 
I don't know. I don't know how I would take that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, I would think again. I think Gordon Ramsay is a good-looking guy, but I didn't get much from that, and I gotta realize at times just to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it, it's. Uh, I can't believe I did that. And then do on. Another- do you think that relationship is pretty much done? It won't flourish. What's amazing to me is I thought it would help our relationship. We had just met, and I actually almost kind of led with that to where I thought that was going to help. You know how girls, no matter what time they, when girls meet each other, whether it's a girlfriend and a friend or, or whatever, whenever girls meet each other, they always just throw out an initial compliment mm-hmm. right out of the gate, mm-hmm. whether it's eyelashes, whatever it is, you guys just love to throw out a compliment. That was my version of the compliment, letting the guy know that he looks like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was a good thing. And more trials and tribulations. You guys are trying to up my fashion here at Action Park Media. You changed my category of the podcast, which was beyond the needed. And I had Sophie stitch a V into my sweatshirt because it was a little tight on me. And it's a very nice sweatshirt. But what's wrong with the outfit today? What's wrong with with the outfit today is that now your jacket looks more feminine. Because yeah. it looks like you're wearing a V-neck, and then under it you're wearing like a shirt that is struggling because it's scrunching up now and doesn't know what to do with itself. Your actual shirt underneath, right? And it's just not a clean look. I'd really prefer you in like a solid black hoodie. The it, it's just it's very simple. You just need to do it. You know, you said about my outfit the other day, and I I told you I always want you to be honest in the road, but this one really stung. Was I, I came in the other day, and I was going for more of, like, a sporty look, and, and you told me... What did you say to me? Um, was it the day that I said you look sporty, or the other day? The other day. I said that your outfit is suited for when you need to go to Ralph's. Yep, yep. A Ralph's, grocery shopping outfit. Grocery shopping outfit, and, and, and one of the lower-level grocery stores. A grocery store <laughs> that I actually shop at, but yeah, you said it was a grocery store outfit. So, look, we, we got to continue to, to innovate... In, in the fashion department, I don't think there's any question about that because it just flat out needs to happen. I think what I ought to do when it comes to fashion, pull like a Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy Neutron, you remember Jimmy Neutron? J-I-M-M-Y-N-E. There we go. There's a what Jimmy. What was it? What was it? J-I-M-M-Y. Oh, God, if we could get a Jimmy Neutron thing going on here. But the beauty of Jimmy Neutron who was a character on Nickelodeon, he wore the same damn thing every single day. Hey Arnold, same damn thing every day. To Nobody ever questioned Jimmy Neutron whatsoever because he wore the same thing to where maybe I just wear my merchandise from BrillingTheDumb.com. Maybe I just wear my... Mer- Look at this. That's producing 101, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, get it. Get it. What a phenomenal theme song, Jimmy Neutron. I love it. I love it. He wore the same damn thing every day. Nobody ever questioned him to where I think I may take that route or just get something from the merch store and nobody questions when you wear your own merch. But you know what I noticed about people, influencers and people that are going out and selling merch? Whenever they come out with the merch, you get a story from them, whether a day later, a couple hours later, that there's only five available pieces in stock. No matter who's selling it, no matter how much of it they have sold, the influencers always come out and say, we only have five available sweatshirts, whatever it is, buy it now. Is that? I almost feel like it's a marketing tactic, and if it works, it works great. 
I almost feel like Old Navy should go out and say we only have five pairs of denim jeans available out there, and that'll kind of get Old Navy back in the game. You walk into an Old Navy, and the entire store is still filled with denim. But I just want to start going with the merch, come out with something, a couple hours later let the people know that there are only five items available left on the BrilliantlyDumb.com store. And again, I, I guess that is to continue to push the merch, and it helps, but not a bad play. Uh, before we head over, we're going to be bringing in our guy, Forrest Galante, dear friend of the pod. I love this guy. He's been a host on Animal Planet, um, Extinct or Alive. He is just incredible. We went to his house and did a vlog uh, in Santa Barbara, myself, Joey Coldcuts. We did electric surfboards with this guy. He's just hysterical. And what I love about Forrest is... Nothing, and I mean nothing, is off limits with this guy whatsoever. He's a true beauty. He's survived one plane crash, two shark attacks, um, a bite from a poisonous snake. I, I mean, the guy has just done it all. He's incredible. We're going to be bringing on Gerard Gilfone with him, ask him a couple animal questions. Lord only knows what animal questions Gerard Gilfone has from him. We're going to be bringing him on, one of my favorites, before we bring him on, one of our other dear friends of the pod, Nikki Smigs is just spectacular. Nikki Smigs posted a video recently, and this is a guy who's constantly in our happy hours. We've had him on the Patreon episodes. He does a lot of impersonations. I want you folks to hear this. Absolutely cracked me up. One of his best impersonations that he does is a Sebastian Maniscalco impression, the comedian, and it is so damn good. He called a pizza joint. I think he called a Little Caesars pizza joint in Wisconsin, and the results from it were just hysterical. So shout out our guy, Nikki Smigs. Benny the Jet, if you could go ahead and fire up that audio from Benny the from uh, from Nikki Smigs doing Sebastian Maniscalco calling Little Caesars. I think this is spectacular. Thanks for choosing Little Caesars. Can I do uh, three medium prosciutto and arugulas, please? Three medium-sized prosciutto and arugula. Uh, I don't know what you're saying. I don't think we have those pizzas. What about the uh, Soprasada and uh, Pecorino Romano? No, we do not. This is Little Caesars. I don't know what you're looking for, but this is Little Caesars. Okay. What kind of toppings do you got anyway? Who puts pineapple on pizza? You guys get orders for that a lot? Absolutely incredible stuff. I, I get such a kick out of that guy. He does Christopher Walken. He do, I mean, he does everybody. He's hysterical. He's on the Patreon Happy Hours. He's been on the Extra Friday episodes with us. Rising star, Nikki Smigs. Phenomenal stuff. But, folks, let's bring in the main event. That is our guy, our dear friend of the pod, Forrest Galante, Animal Planet host. We love him. And with that, we bring in Gerard Gilfone as well. Let's dive into it. There's our guy. There's our guy. Mr. Galante, he is back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Force. This is round four for you here? I don't know, man. I'm just going to start changing my, my handle on Instagram to brilliantly dumb. Give him a time. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, and I got to tell you, I appreciate you battling through this. That's second. You just got the second vaccine, no? 
Dude, it floored me, man. I don't know if you can see it on my face or whatever, but I've been sleeping all day. Like, I'm not, you know, I've had fucking dysentery. I've been puking and pooping my brains out at the same time and still done 14-mile hikes. This thing hit me like a ton of bricks, brother. I tell you, your skin is so white, you look like me the first day that we went surfing before I got the sun. Yeah, man. It's bad, dude. That that thing knocked me out. (laughs) Now, I just got got the first one where your arm just kind of goes dead. I I, I take it the worst is to come to me on this second vaccine? I mean, look, I don't want to discourage anybody from getting it. I I was like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. The first one, same thing. Just my arm was sore. But, yeah, it definitely knocked me out. I just feel like I have a bad cold and want to sleep all day. But, hey. It's nothing that a podcast and a stiff gin and tonic kind of fixes. Good for you. You know, I had a feeling you might go with a with a drink of choice, whether it be a gin and tonic, whether it be a claw. And I, I got news for you, Forrest. I'm glad to see you going with the harder stuff this afternoon. Yeah, it's important. It's it's a, it's a requisite to get through the day today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, we, we'll 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 uh, we're happy to take you home here. Hopefully, we could help uh, for you here again. I believe this is the fourth appearance on the Brilliantly Dumb Show. Now, Forrest. I will say, and I'm not just shooting the shit. I'm not just gassing you up. I've said it to you time and time again. We got a lot of friends of the pods out there. We've had a lot of people come on the show. Not many have been there a fourth time. And I will say, you're one of the best guests that we've had from the times that we have, whether it be surfing, we vlogged over at your house, which was spectacular. And what I like about you, Forrest, is I think out of all the biologists, out of all the different experts and people that you talk to, I think far and away, you knew right out of the gate when me and Cold Cuts came to your place that first time. How fast into it did you know that these guys were just, they were going to do things a little bit differently as far as our, our wildlife knowledge, that there was just nothing to be found there? Uh, before you guys came in the gate, I was like, ah, shit, what have I signed up for? What a disaster this is going to be. And I couldn't have been more right. But yet here we are for a fourth time. But, and, but did, did, you t- did it take you a little bit of time to where you kind of felt this out to where we came in? Cole Cuts was wearing the camo. I came in. I looked a little bit ridiculous. Did it take a little bit of time to kind of feel us out? And then, by the way, you, you, you totally, you were all for it to where I think you need that balance to where you're not just having, you know, these experts come on, then you need some regular average Joes like me and Joey Coldcuts to kind of give you that balance in your life, Forrest. Hey, man, if it wasn't for guys like you and Joey, I would just be an average Joe, you know? If I just hung out with academics, hey, you know what they say, right? Those who can do, those who can't teach. Well, I'm teaching. That's all I do. I I left it because I'm not that good at it. So (laughs) I'm here here as the average man doing wildlife work. And you know my, my, my favorite part to the whole thing, the story I always like to tell, the beauty of that first vlog where we went over to your house in Santa Barbara, the beauty of it is I think it was the day before you just wrapped up with Joe Rogan. And Rogan, I mean, this guy's knowledge is just out of the – he's asking you about Tasmanian tigers, Russian yep. polar bears, and then <laughs> next thing you know, me and Cole Cuts roll in. But what's funny that you told me is – before going on Joe Rogan that first time, he's had you twice. Yeah. Before going on Rogan the first time, you didn't even really know who he was, right? No. No, I'm not a podcast guy. I don't listen to him. I don't, you know, it's just not never been my thing. And uh, he reached out to me and was like, hey, man, you want to come on the show? And I was like, yeah, sounds good. You know, like I'm always up for a good time. And didn't, you know, I threw one on in my car on the drive down to Joe's studio. He was like, yeah, this sounds fun. Like a cool, sounds cool conversation. 
And uh, then I went on his show and was like, you know, it was just a good chat and everything else. And then it came out two days later or whatever, or same day, I don't even remember anymore. And it was like, oh my God, this is enormous. Like this is like 10 times the size of any of my TV shows. So what, yeah, what what did your phone notifications look like that? The episode Rogan drops, you wake up in the morning and then your phone just pops? Oh yeah, man. I mean, it was just, it was pinging off the hook. I mean, my social media was going nuts. The comments were going nuts. People were like, you know, I think what was fun about my my podcast with Joe is it was a podcast for people that love animals that don't that aren't necessarily into hunting because Joe does a lot of animal stuff but he often right. talks about hunting and mine was just like you know here's cool animal facts like let me tell you about this thing let me show you about this adventure you know let me talk to you about this scar and it was just blown off the hook man 300,000 or so freaking people were just like Hey, dude, loved your loved your show, loved your stories. You know, wh- what else do you do? And I'm like, ah, TV and books and stuff. So, and it was fun. You know, man. I mean, I think that that just the YouTube alone had about twelve, twelve some odd million. He he brings you back. Were you you sit down? Were you surprised at how much shit this guy knows? I mean, he knows something about everything. First, yeah, uh, he's an incredibly smart guy. I mean, incredibly well informed and well read. You know, what's great about sitting down with Joe Rogan is there's no bullshit. You know, it's all bullshit, but there's no bullshit. It's um, he, it's very clear what he's interested in and what he isn't interested in. And his interest level is vast. So he, you know, when we start talking about something, if I say something, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, let me tell you about ants. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But then if I'm like, let me tell you about crocodiles. He's like, crocodile, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, and then it snowballs into a whole big thing. So, yeah, no, he's, he's amazing. His interests are super diverse. He's a very, very sharp guy, incredibly well-informed. I mean, he was stumping me on things. He brought up something in the first podcast about the Bondo ape. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And that's my field, you know? Well, I, so. I, I, I tell you what, Forrest, you are not going to be getting any questions on the Bondo ape today. Now, when you come on the Brilliantly Dumb show, do you know by now, Forrest, I mean, we have a very good relationship. Do you know by now you sit down here with us that you're going to get some pretty ridiculous questions that of we course. really want to know? You're of ready course. for that? Is that why you got the gin and tonic, Forrest? That's why I got the gin and tonic. I'm, I'm business up front. I got no pants on just in case down below. You know, I'm ready, man. And Forrest, I tell you, you really do let it fly, and I appreciate <laughs> that about you. I really do. No pun intended as far as letting it fly. Um now, you have seen all types of animals, Forrest Galante, all types. I can assure you, you have never seen an animal quite like the Brilliantly Dumb Show's very own, Jersey Jerry. That is Gerard Gilfone. Gerard Gilfone, are you with us? Gerard Gilfone, are you with oh, us? Yeah. There Full he hunting is. Draft. <laughs> Ladies and What's gentlemen, up, Jerry? there is uh, our guy. Uh, Forrest, meet Jersey Jerry. Jersey Jerry, meet Forrest, and he brought on a full. He looks like Texas Tommy, not Jersey <laughs> Jerry today with that hunting gig. That's quite something. Hey, believe, believe it or not, Forrest, I have uh, some experience hunting. I've I never been out hunting, but I got some experience. <laughs> okay, cougar hunting, I presume? No, no, uh, a deer, deer hunting with the bow, but I, n- I never went out. I went never, I never got the tree stand or anything like that. I got so how'd this, you get the experience? Uh, at, at Targeteer's archery, target practice. <laughs> there you go, smart. Makes Jerry, sense. You, you gotta be, I mean, you gotta be, for, for those of you folks not watching on YouTube right now, 
He's got a full camouflage trench coat. Are you hot in that thing, Jerry Don? Believe it or not, Bob, I'm actually room temperature in this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Forrest, are you, are you ready to do this dance right here? Let's go, baby. Okay, now we got some questions for you. And like we said before, I mean, me and Jerry talked on the phone last night, and we wanted to ask the questions that we really wanted to know. And when we finished it all up, we looked back on it, and we said, you know what? Are they a little bit ridiculous? Without question. But they're questions that we really want to know the answer to. Um, of course. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to start this off, if you don't mind, Jerry Don, okay? Yeah. Of course, you got a love for animals, Okay, my question for you, what animal could you do without? Like, I could do without cats. What animal could you do without, can't say mosquitoes? So, funnily enough, and this is falling in the same vein, so maybe it's a cop-out, and if so, you can tell me. Mosquitoes don't bug me nearly as much as leeches do. Some of the places I go where my I look down, I pull, pull my boots off at the end of the day, or I pull my pants up, and... My the top of my sock line is just black with leeches, and I got to go pull or burn them all off. My feet are all covered in blood the rest of the day. They, uh, after a leech bite, it bleeds for like three hours, so you just you're dripping blood everywhere. I fucking hate leeches, and I, I get so many damn leeches. You name an orifice or a body part, and I've had a leech attached to it. Now, I could do without leeches. Now, now, what do you mean you got to burn these off? What does that process look like? So certain leeches, certain species embed so deeply, they stick their heads all the way in under the skin. And if you pull them, you leave the head there under the skin. And if you leave that head stuck under the skin, it gets infected and, and goes gangrenous and everything else disgusting. So the only way to get a leech that's embedded all the way into your flesh off is to grab a lighter and burn it from the back end so that it <laughs> lets go and surprise and kind of backs out to leave and then you flick it off. Either way, it's not fun. And let me tell you, let me tell you, Robbie and Jerry, I mean, you guys have probably had a similar experience with a different kind of creature. When you got a leech on the inside of your butt cheek and you're out in the middle of the woods with nobody around that's embedded, you don't have an option but to turn to your buddy and say, hey, man, I got to ask you something that can never leave this tent. This is where he's got to go up and get in there. What else are you going to do? You kind of leave it there. But you can't you can't burn the rectum, right? Does he have to go and just pick it out, or do you got to burn the rectum? No, I mean, it just depends, man. If it if it comes off on a pull, thank goodness, right? If it's uh, if it's somewhere <laughs> the sun don't shine and you can't reach, you got to turn to a friend, and that is a problem, let me tell you. I see, now, are, the, are the leeches, are the leeches, are they, like, that's in the same category as, like, a mosquito? Or it's totally uh, different? No, it's a totally different animal. <laughs> a leech is like a worm. Jerry. Like a worm. Okay. Now, yeah. Now, Jerry, see the beauty of force, though, it, there is no question too ridiculous. You know what I no. mean? So, Let with that me. being said, he's going to be ready for you. The okay. stage is all yours, Jerry. Don, That's take right. it away. You know, right. Forrest, I, I've done my research a little bit, <laughs> and, and I'll be honest here. I'll, I'll be honest because I'm an honest guy. I have never seen your episode of Naked and Afraid. I'll be honest. Okay. That's but right. I, did, I, I did watch a lot of the show now. My favorite part of the show is this, is when the guy and the girl have to now sleep together for the first time. And to me, it seems like the guy always wants to snuggle more than the female. <laughs> when you were out there, was there at any point where, you know, you, you wanted to snuggle, you didn't want to touch this girl, or you had no choice, but you guys had to snuggle together? And was it uncomfortable? Oh, man, everything about Naked and Afraid is uncomfortable. I mean, it's gross, it's stinky, it's dirty. I can tell you, I had a gorgeous girl as my partner who I didn't get along with at all. 
But within three hours, not even, within 30 minutes of seeing her covered in mud and dirt and, you know, butt naked, it loses all attractive appealingness. So there is there is no ulterior motive, at least not for me, because I'm just like, gotcha. ugh, this is, this is yucky. You know, this is, if I'd met you at a bar, it might be a different story, but meeting you out here in the mud is, is not for me. I'm going to double down here, Forrest. Um, okay. Now, at any point, did did you get excited down below? Did you get a like an? Hey, that's a that's a good question, Jerry. And nobody's ever asked me this before. But hey, I'm an honest man. Like before she got dirty, like when you guys first take off the drawers. Yeah. Robbie knows. Robbie knows that I will shoot straight with you, and uh, that wasn't the only thing shooting straight. So um, (laughs) it. uh, Look, nothing. Certainly no. I wasn't flying any flags or pitching any tents when I first met her or that first Mm -hmm. night. But when I woke up the first morning being, you know, the young virile male that I am, I certainly had to roll over in the, uh, in the stick shelter there and kind (laughs) of pretend to be asleep for 15 more minutes before I was able to get up and walk around. (laughs) And of course this girl provided you no help whatsoever. Am I right? Like would they go ahead and they stick you out into the wilderness and you got to be able to hold your own. This girl was a disaster to where you kind of had to carry the team. That's for sure. Yeah, no, she was very difficult. She was just, not qualified for doing something of this caliber. That's all it was. Right. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that one. Now we're going to throw it. I'm going to, I'm going to let something fly at you here. Um, Again, maybe a little bit ridiculous, something that I really did have a question about. Yeah. When I go to a sushi restaurant, uh, Forrest, and I see soft shell crab on the menu Mm -hmm. or, or, or the crab soft, when they catch them in sea, or do they soften them up in house? These are good questions, Robbie. You've been thinking. You've been thinking. You're thinking. I have. Look, we're ready for you, Forrest. So a crab is an animal that has a hard exoskeleton, like a shell. Like think like a snail, basically, or a turtle. Okay. Right. Now the difference between a snail and a turtle and a crab is as the crab outgrows their shell, they shed their old one, and they have a soft, fluffy, shiny one underneath. Okay. Now, a yeah. soft-shell crab is when the crab fishermen go out and they catch 10,000 or so crabs. And the reason your soft-shell crab is usually pretty spendy is only about, you know, one out of 1,000 or so is in that molting stage where it's just shed its hard shell and it's actually soft and squishy. And those are the ones that you can eat whole because you don't want to eat the hard, crunchy shell. So it's actually a phase in the animal's life cycle where it's shedding its hard shell and hasn't, its new shell hasn't hardened up yet. And that's when you're. That's when you get a soft shell crab that they cook and eat for sushi. So, huh. are the fishermen kind of touching the crab to see which one's hard and which one they could sell as as soft shell? They must be. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're handling all the crabs as they're you know putting them out of the net and into the boxes or whatever. And I'm I'm guessing I I don't know. They've got one box for soft shell and you know ten boxes for regular crabs and in in go the soft shell ones and those are the high dollar crab. Jerry Don, we pan it over to you. Yeah, I would. I... <laughs> I'm kind of blown away here, Bob. I was always, <laughs> I was always under the impression that the soft shell crab was a hermit crab. Negative. That is that is un- incorrect, Jerry. I don't know what to tell you. Others, no. you're wrong. Well, of course, out of all the things you heard tonight, was that statement just now? Was that the most outlandish one? I mean, today to to time, but I'm sure we'll get. I'm sure we'll blow past it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Take it away, Jerry. Don. Stage is all yours. Now, Bobby had an issue with this. Me and Bobby went out to dinner. Now, I just need you to confirm or deny this, um, okay. Forrest. We went out to dinner, a nice spot in uh, Florida, me and Bobby and a couple yeah. other guys. We went on a little vacation. 
Now, I ordered the fresh piranha because I've had piranha in the past. Okay. Now, Bobby took me to a, like a whole new level. He wasn't yeah, yelling at me. Course, but I thought he was ordering. I thought he was ordering the fresh burrata. Yeah. Burrata, right? And you yeah. ordered piranha. Correct. And, okay. and I was telling Bob, like, buddy, like Bob, like, you're wrong. Like, I've had fresh piranha before. Have you ever had it? Because I've had it once and it was delicious. Gary, I've had I've had piranha a lot, and wow. uh, I can tell See, you, I told you, Bob, yeah. I've, also had, done. I've, I've <laughs> also had burrata a lot, and I like burrata better. But I can tell you this: so on like my last trip to the Amazon, I spent two and a half weeks camping in the Colombian jungle, and we had enough food for like four days. So we had to catch our own food every day, right? Now, on your first morning of eating boiled piranha, it's a treat. Your first lunch of boiled piranha, still pretty good. Your first dinner of boiled piranha, not bad. By the fourteenth day of nothing but boiled piranha, it's yeah. pretty awful. Yeah, it's you're you're really ready for something else. <laughs> but it is a very nice, very tasty, flaky white meat fish. I'm a fan. Told you, Bob. I just didn't know you could get it in Florida. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't have it in Florida. I've I've actually I've actually had it in Scottsdale, Arizona. Believe well, it or there not. you go. These are these are things I don't know. Big big win for Jerry Don because yeah, Force. I I gave him a very hard time. I thought he was trying to order the burrata, and the server even looked at him like it was crazy. To where the whole table kind of looked at Jerry Don. So Jerry Don, I, I gotta apologize. Thank I gotta you, apologize. It's good eating fish. I will take the floor now. Okay, <laughs> uh, Forrest did like what would you say is an animal that is the most fascinating? It, it, what's amazing to me with animals animals is how they reproduce. What, what would you say is the most interesting animal to watch have sex? Hmm, good question. Most interesting animal to have watch sex. We're making them think, Jerry Diesel. Yeah, you are. There's some, them... there's some weird <laughs> sexual routines out there, but I'm going to say the winner has got to be the praying mantis. You guys know anything about this? I know it's a bug. It's a bug. <laughs> Very good, Jerry. Very good. Mm -hmm. So the praying mantis will have a big courting display where the male and the female will do like a standoff thing and dance around, flutter their wings and their weird, weird little T-Rex arm things. Um, and then eventually it'll it'll happen, right? Now, that's not the most interesting part. The, the main, male praying mantis will jump on top. They'll get the job down. That's fine. The most interesting part is immediately after climax, she turns around cuts his head off and eats his entire body as nutrition for the babies oh my god yeah so that that praying mantis is now single yeah yeah no there's no no parent no co-parenting in that one Do, does the male know this going into I, this great no? question don i i was gonna add that's where <laughs> i was what was going with that i would say that they do now that being said we have no way of knowing of course i i don't speak praying mantis but um I would say that it's an instinctual thing that they're aware that once they mate, they're most likely going to lose their lives. It's like part of their part of their reproductive cycle. Do Do you think that they look forward to having the sex, or they know like it's their calling? Like this is it. I'm I'm done. Well, I mean, shit, Robbie. If if someone came up to you and was like, "Hey, you know, Margot Robbie over there, but she's probably going to kill you afterwards." You, you're not saying you'd be like, yeah, it's worth the risk. Let's yeah. go for it. I mean, come on. It's Margot Robbie. You know, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. Forrest, great answer. I guess I would say it, it depends on the praying mantis. That's right. That's now, right. We, 
head it over to you, Jerry Don. Take it away. You know, Forrest, I'm going to take this for a little (laughs) bit of a spin here. Now, I know you're, you know, you're a jungle type of guy and all that stuff. Now, I just want to, you know, let you in on one thing. I am a French bulldog breeder. Okay. That's nice. French bulldogs. Now, you know what I found fascinating my first litter, Forrest, was now French bulldogs, 90% of them have to have a C section. Okay. Um, because the heads are too big. It's a very, very dangerous natural birth. They have to do the C-section. What I found so interesting, and I never knew this. Now, when those puppies are born and mom wakes up from the anesthesia and you bring them back home, I have I have a little playpen that I set up for mom and the puppies. Sure. The, the mom automatically, instinctly knows to go in that pen, lay down, and let her babies eat. It is Absolutely. It, it blew my mind because... Now, the mom knows she's carrying these puppies, but once she goes under anesthesia, you know what I mean? And these things come out of her, and she sees them, it's like, oh, my God, that's what I was carrying for these last two months. And I tell you what, it was one of the most fascinating things I ever watched, and I just wanted to ask you, like, have you ever been a part of of dog breeding or anything like that? And, And would you be interested in a French bulldog one day? Yeah, man. Well, I used to have this partner named Michael Vick. You guys might have heard of him. We had this part ways after a little drama with our dog breed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, look, I uh, we used to breed Rhodesian Ridgebacks, my family. So had had a lot of puppies through our day, all natural births, unless there was an emergency or something. Um, great dogs. And yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the you know, look, all dogs are derivatives of wolves. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but did not. Nope, yeah, so every I'm single not. dog from from your crappy little Chihuahua, and I'm sorry if you're a Chihuahua fan out there, you know, I mean, genetically speaking, to your Dalmatian, to your German Shepherd, they all come from wolves. 10,000, 10 million years ago, whatever it was, 10,000 years ago, wolves decided to move in on a group of people. People decided to feed them. Bingo, bango, later. We've got selective breeding, and now we have French bulldogs and, and Yorkshire Terriers that are all descendants of wolves. You, that, you know... Yeah, go go ahead. Sorry. No, No, I was just going to say that incredible (laughs) intelligence that you're seeing, the fact Mm -hmm. that they have so much of a of a nurturing nature is pure instinct from their days as being wolves. That is so crazy. Another thing I found fascinating is this. Now, uh, I I own the mother and father here. The the mom who, 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 you know, has the puppies, she did not let the male around her puppies until her puppies were strong enough to play with yep. the male and she trusted the male with him i found that so fascinating and not just that but in nature with some species um some canine species and even you know felines and everything else the male will come in and cull all of the other males so even though they're little puppies like you or i couldn't tell them apart you know mm-hmm. we wouldn't know what is a boy or a girl dog um the male will come in and ice all of the males so that there's no competition he remains king when he grow when they grow up Wow. So that's what she's doing. She's saying, nope, I don't want you to come in here. I don't want you to hurt the boys. I don't want you to hurt any of the puppies. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, to answer your final question, I would be, I could be convinced to get a French bulldog because I really okay. like them. We could have something. <laughs> we could have something here. Do you ship to Santa Barbara, Jerry Don? I, I'll tell you this. If Forrest was to ever purchase a French bulldog for me, I will fly with that French bulldog to Santa Barbara, <laughs> California. I might take you up on that. I think they're adorable. <laughs> They are. Jerry Don, are are you ready? Uh, the folks of the Brilliant Dumb Show, are are you ready to just have your world rocked here by Sir Forrest Galante? Are you yeah. ready for this, Jared? Now, Forrest, 
This didn't do it justice because you came on our first ever Patreon happy hour. The the stream was was terrible. There was buzzing in the back. There was it was total chaos. And you told the story that to me w- was just fascinating. Okay. I asked you. I said, "What was one of the scariest experiences you have ever had?" With an animal. This is coming from a guy. You have been bit by a shark once or twice, for Twice. One wow. plane crash or two plane crashes? Two plane crashes. <laughs> he, he, he's still here with us. He's, you said the, the animal you fear most is mosquitoes because you can't see them. But I said, yeah. what is the scariest experience you have had with an animal? And you took me to a time in Australia, I believe, with a snake. Could you please... Do us the yep. favor of telling us that story. Sure thing. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple run-ins, that's for sure. I've, I've had trouble with hippos. I've had an incident with a lion. I've had a few pretty close calls. But the one that, like, oh, yeah, you start thinking about it now, I'm starting to get goosebumps. Wow. Every time it does this to me. I was in Australia, and we were interviewing um, some Aborigines in their village about this animal we were looking for, the thylacine. And in the middle of the interview, speaking to the old man about what they call the moon tiger, all of a sudden you just hear like screaming out across like the the other side of the village. And, you know, me being me, I like jumped up, started sprinting over there and the cameras all fall. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? There's this guy with a big cinder block up over his head and he's about to smash this thing. And I look down and there's there's a coastal taipan. Now, if you look it up, the taipan is one of the deadliest snakes in the world. Um, I mean, absolutely crazy venomous deadly the kind of thing that you're just not coming back from if you get a bite. To add insult to injury, they're super aggressive. Like they're the only snake or one of the only snakes that will come at you. They won't just run away or like bite you out of defense. They're actually come at you. Anyway, I jump underneath the cinder block and I'm like, stop, stop, stop. You know, don't smash it. Let me catch it and get it out of here. And the guy's like reluctantly like lowers the cinder block and he's like, yeah, okay, no problem, whatever. And in the time that that's happening, this incredibly fast, like seven foot long taipan goes shooting under the stilted house. I'm like, shit, okay, I got to get to this, this taipan. So I like get under the house. I got my flashlight. You know, it's like the house is raised like two and a half feet. You know, you, you guys know what it's like. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is your adrenaline pumping at this point or this is just another day at the office? Oh, no, at this point, nothing. This is just, I got to get the snake. Nah, this is nothing. This is just like, all right, you know, dog leg, get this done. Um, so yeah, so I start flashlighting under the house and I'm looking and I kind of see the taipan over here and I start belly crawling under the house and it's really dark and it's like a pretty big house. So it's, you know, like you can't really see what you're doing, but I still got eyes on the taipan. And then he like darts over to another corner and I start working my way up to that corner. He darts somewhere else and I lose him. And I'm like, shit, this is not good. You know, not only did I stop them from killing the taipan, but now he's under someone's house. Like if I don't get him out of here, Somebody or that snake is going to die. Like, I've got to, I've got to sort this out. So I, I pull back out from under the house. And the entrance to the house is like a, you know, three or four step entrance with split level stairs. And I, I run around by the front door and I'm like, I lost him somewhere in here. Shining the flashlight, shining the flashlight, nothing. So eventually I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to stick my head in here and see if I can see him. So I, I go to the stairs, the, the first stair, second stair. And I lie down on my belly on the first stair and I, I have my headlight on. And I stick my head into the hole looking for the taipan. And I start scanning around like this, keeping in mind, you know, it's like two feet tall. So, like, I'm really sandwiched in there, right? And I start looking around. And one of my camera guys is like, can you see him? I'm like, nah, nothing yet. And just then I just feel this. This Coming taipan. The, side of your oh, neck. the taipan God. comes up to the side of my neck, right by my jugular, 
gives me a little lick flick with his tongue and slowly starts to crawl up around the back of my neck. Now, this is about a seven and a half foot long, incredibly deadly snake. And I just freeze. I just go completely dead motionless. Now, snakes pick up on heat. They pick up on thermal signatures. It knew I was there. And it just slowly slithered up across the back of my neck and off down the other end. And I just, I was about wow. to throw up. I was losing my shit. Now, I've been bitten by a ton of snakes. It doesn't bug me. But to have such an aggressive, crazy, venomous, deadly snake crawling over the back of my neck. And I couldn't move. If I had freaked out or twitched or rolled, it would have just yeah, gone. Babe. That would have been the end. So I just had to sit there for like 25 seconds while this thing slithered over my neck before I pulled back out of the stairs. And uh, like I said, I'm just getting goosebumps describing it because that was, I mean, that thing had bit me in the neck. We were we were 13 hours from a hospital to begin with, but you know, I was donezo no matter what. And uh, anyway, long story short, eventually it slid off my neck. I now knew where it was. I was able to kind of come back around, got the snake out from underneath the house moved it nobody died not me not the snake not a villager so it was uh it was i guess worth it but whew, gives me the heebie-jeebies just talking about that thing on my neck and now you said if that thing would have bit you th there's no chance of survival no. if it bites you you're done I remember you saying in this kind of gave me chills you said if it bit you you would have probably just got up gave your camera crew a hug yep. and, and then and then that would have been it just sat down and said goodbye. Nothing else you can do. Wow. No point in panicking. No point in rushing. No point in calling air service. Like, you're done. You know, I would have got up, probably done a message to my family on camera, sat down, and waited for it to kick in. Talk How about the reincarnation of Steve Harvey. You know, I used to watch that guy so many times. <laughs> Steve Harvey. You know, he was, he, you know, you remind me a lot of him, Forrest, man. This guy was one of the best ever, man. Are you thinking you know, of Steve Irwin? <laughs> There you go. That's the guy. Okay. I was like, who's Steve Harvey? That's the guy. You remind me so much of him. That guy was awesome, man. Yeah. He really was one of the best to ever do it, man. Yeah, he's a hero, dude. He's the kind of guy that inspired everybody that does what I do. An absolute hero. <laughs> Robbie MK up there? <laughs> Steve Harvey was great. Because I got news for you. Steve Harvey's actually phenomenal, too. Not a big animal guy, but Steve Harvey's one of the better comedians out there. Oh, that's who he is. Okay. All yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 I know Steve. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't know. Where, I just didn't know where Don was going with that. But, <laughs> but uh, good. But no, you know, uh, another thing too. And you had mentioned on another note, the hippos. Uh, Jerry Don Forrest had claimed that the the hippos are very dangerous animals. Does that surprise you in the hippos? Because you've always been fascinated by hippos, Jerry Don. No, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, like I said, I did watch, you know, some Naked and Afraid. And when when they do appear, people like are super worried and they like want to stay away. You know, they don't even want to go and drink from that, like whatever it is, a pond, a lake, whatever it is, knowing that there's hippos there because they're really aggressive, too. I've heard extremely. Yeah, I've had two very close calls with hippo and they are they're not um, they're very nervous animals. And if they feel threatened, the first thing they're going to do is, is is bite or charge. So they're a very nervous, skittish animal and they're you know, tons of fun, literally. So when one of those things is running at you, it's pretty scary. Now, now were you, were you, were you like filming? Were you fucking with the hippo forest, or were you just letting the hippo do his thing and it came to you? No, neither. Neither time that I had a close call with hippos was I doing anything with film. I was just working um, in the bush. And uh, one time had a canoe incident, which came really close, which wasn't too bad. But the second time, uh, 
I came up over a little hill and the hippo was in what we call a pan in Africa, which is like a pond gotcha. and uh, it couldn't submerge. So when the hippo can't go down, that's when they panic. When they can go underwater, they're okay. And I came over the hill on the game trail, meaning on his path down to the big river. He saw me and panicked and came full speed up the game trail. And I pushed my girlfriend out of the way and dove behind a termite mound. And I felt the heat of his breath as he ran by me. He was so close. So it was, uh, wow. it was very close. I had to make one of those steps where I went over to push her and then dive out the way. And it was that extra second of pushing her out the way that, uh, made it very very close <laughs> i mean do you do you need like this type of adrenaline rush force i feel like you're a guy that you gotta be doing something you you crave that type of adrenaline rush uh yeah i, I don't think i'm an adrenaline junkie but maybe i am i think it's just i take a lot of calculated risks and yes i am a guy that definitely always has to be doing something doesn't always have to be dangerous or scary or adrenaline, but I've, I I can't spend a day inside. That would drive me nuts. Now, Force, we've done a lot of we've done a lot of different vlogs and filming together, and, and something that you tried to get me and Joey Coldcuts to do. <laughs> Not done trying yet. I I mean, there's just and apparently I asked Jerry Don and I said before I said Jerry Don, would you ever swim yeah. with sharks? Jerry Don yep. said no problem, and and Jerry, you understand, Force wanted to film. Not going in cages. I would go in cages because I'd feel very comfortable that Forrest is there. Forrest wants to free dive with these sharks, which I just think I got no business doing. Jerry Dunn, you would be okay with that. I mean, listen, Bob, like, before this interview, I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm definitely going to do it. You know what I mean? And I'll be honest with you. I'm going to take you for a little spin here. After this interview, I'm even more down to do this. That a boy. Wow. Because, because I mean, you talk about a guy with with experience like Forrest has, and you know he's pretty much seen almost everything there is to see. Why not trust a guy like that? You know what I mean? And listen, if we go out like that, at least we go out together, Bob. You know what I mean? That's right. Wise yeah. words from a wise man. So, Bob, why don't you, you know, pick your Pick your nuts up off the floor and let's go, you big baby. I got news for you. I, Jerry Don, that that somehow was very touching to where I, I think I may pick my nuts up off the floor and, and really pursue this. So here's what we do. We're going to get another trip planned. We're going to get another trip in the works. I say what we do, Jerry Don, you come out here for the shark diving. Take the French bulldog with you. Maybe Forrest <laughs> will want to get the French bulldog, and we could really get some. Jerry, you got to see Forrest's house. There is, you know, me not being a big animal guy, when we went to go do mm-hmm. this vlog, I was always on edge because you never know at Forrest's house <laughs> what animal is going to come up on. He had turkeys following us. There That's is, cool. there is turtles. There is, I, I mean, Forrest, how many animals do you got a, a, at your house? About, about ninety. Wow. About ninety. Now, That's pretty you, cool. But what makes me think about it? I mean, you, you must be paying a fortune on food for these animals. That's not as bad as you might think. I mean, you know, a little bit of hay here and there. I won't say it's cheap, but you know, well, some people go to the movies or go out drinking. I like fiddling with my animals. So yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's all kind of a write off anyway. So when you go to do your grocery shopping, do you do your grocery shopping and then go somewhere else for the animals, or can you get some <laughs> stuff at the place that you would do your grocery shopping? Nah, we're pretty we're pretty set up. We have a once a week delivery of hay and pe- pellets and chicken scratch and everything else that just comes right to the gate. It's not bad at all. Well, uh, I I tell you what, Jerry Don, is, is this man not fascinating? 
pretty cool to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not the outdoorsy guy I once was, you know, at 13, 14 years old. But, you know, uh this gets me a little interested, I'm not going to lie. And, and to be honest, I I would be down for the sharks, but I will not be down for a trip to, you know, let's say Africa with the, with the lions and well, the gazelles. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest yeah. with you, Jerry. I don't think Forrest is planning on taking you to Africa anytime soon. <laughs> correct, correct, Jerry, correct what's, your, uh, what's your comfort level on snakes? Because I've seen a lot of scared men in my life, but I've rarely seen someone pers- perspire as much as Robbie with a snake around his neck. I, I, got, I got a crazy story for you real quick. I, Let's now, hear I, it. I used to live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and you know that's, you know, home the rattlesnake. You know oh, yeah. I mean? Loaded. So my mom comes in from the airport, and she surprises me. Um, now, I used to do solar work. I was a solar electrician, so I was always on the roof installing okay. solar panels and stuff. Yep. Now, my, my mom came to surprise me one day on the job site. She flew in from New Jersey. She found out where I was working, and she came to say hello. So my mom comes up, she pulls up, she gets out of the car. I'm on the roof. I'm like, oh my God, mom, whatever. I got down from the ladder. My mom walks up to me and then I give her a big hug. And all I hear is that. Yep. And I said, oh my God. Now I've been in Arizona for like two years at a time and I never seen one. Uh-huh. And I look to my left and it's about, I'd say I'm no joke, probably less than 10 feet away from her. And I said, mom, back up very 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 slow and we both backed up we we told the homeowner and within no exaggeration about 30 minutes people came they caught the snake i don't even know if they were ambulance people they caught the snake and they said oh we're gonna drop them off somewhere else and i that was that was scary, man. <laughs> what, what, what what really happened is the homeowner wanted to kill it. Jerry said, "No, let me catch it." The snake slid <laughs> under the house. Jerry <laughs> wanted to go under the house, and it's a very similar story to you in Australia. <laughs> well, fellas, I tell you, we gotta get a trip cooking. There's for no sure. question about it. Forrest, I I truly. I can't get enough of this guy, and I think you're one of the most fascinating individuals. I mean, we didn't even get into the two plane crashes that you had. You got a book on the way. You I got do. a podcast out. Tell the folks where to find more Forrest Galante. Yeah, thanks, Robbie, and we do have to get that trip going. I got to take you boys to Florida the right way because that would be something. Take you guys to the Everglades, meet some gators, some sharks. That would be a hell of a something. Um, yeah, I do. I have a new book just released yesterday called Still Alive. It's available now for pre-order literally anywhere you can buy a book, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, you name it. And uh, I, do a, I do a weekly podcast as well called The Wild Times. Um, you know, www.thewildtimespod.com. It's super fun. Robbie, got to have you on there, dude. Talk some animal nonsense. Hey, hey, say the word, Forrest. I'm ready for you. It's a blast, man. It's just nothing but wildlife news and shenanigans and bullshitting. We usually get pretty drunk on air, which is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's a good time. And, you know, it's always fun to be here. And, and Jerry heard a lot about you. Nice to meet the legend, man. Yeah, man. You too, brother. You too, <laughs> Forrest, you're, you're the absolute best, folks. That does it here. That's a wrap job here on the Brilliant Dumb Show. Until next time, take care. Action Park Media.